You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. Well, guys, September is basically gone, so I wish... I knew where the time went, but we are officially in the, basically the last quarter of this year. But that means we still have three months to go. So here's my Tuesday morning challenge for you. My pastoral pep talk, even though I'm not a pastor, this will be my pre-pastoral pep talk on Tuesday, is whatever goals you may have set at the beginning of the year, whatever goals you've maybe set during the year, try to pick those back up and try to finish out the year strong. I know that I am at that stage in the year where I need an extra dose of discipline and I just really want to finish strong with whether that be goals of Bible study or being intentional about sharing Christ in your workplace or just discipline in general. Whatever it may be, reading, spiritual goals, work goals, just really try to buckle down and make the most out of the rest of this year because we still have three months and it can be a great time of growth as we finish out this year, 2023. Pretty crazy. So we are in the book of Daniel and we picked or we left off last week where we're picking up today is with Daniel basically being arrested. So we're going to start reading in, uh, let's see. I'm going to get my Bible a little closer. Let's start reading in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 6. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. This is just the arrest of Daniel, and we'll read a few verses past this. It says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Very interesting. We're going to look into that as we go further. In verse 17, it says, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And we'll stop there for just a second. I did just want to point out, because last week we mentioned how persecution is told to be expected of Christ's followers, how it was predicted by Christ. Persecution is something that is really unavoidable. It's something that we should be ready for something the New Testament tells us about, tells us to expect. But I kind of, as I was thinking about that this past week, I want to really take a moment to say here that although the Bible does predict that followers of Jesus will be the recipients of persecution, that is in no way an excuse for those who perpetrate wrongdoing. So I just want to clarify that this does not shift the blame that lies squarely with the guilty party. Because sometimes the call to embrace pain and suffering for Christ 
is really used to cover sin and protect the guilty. Um, at least in my experience, I know that sometimes this is kind of used as like a catch-all phrase where if someone does something unjust, someone does something wrong, then the victim in that scenario is just told to basically bear up under the pain and accept it and to try to live with it because Christians, that's what they do. They suffer persecution. We go through trials and tribulation. And so that's just a part of God's plan and God's going to use it for good. And it's just kind of used sometimes, unfortunately, to gloss over someone else's sin to protect the guilty. And that is never okay. So we really have this delicate balance here. On the one hand, Jesus said that we will be persecuted, and that has happened down through the ages. We can see in history, those who faithfully followed God have suffered for it, have suffered persecution from the world. They've been treated badly. Some of them have given their lives. And so that does happen, and Christ told us that would happen. But on the other hand, this does not mean we are to glory in persecution or we should view injustice or wrongdoing done to us as a good thing or we should embrace that. That's not what that means. Because God is not okay when his children are afflicted or mistreated. That's a crucial point that we have to understand. God does not bring any kind of evil or maliciousness or injustice upon his children. And yes, while God can still be glorified through the suffering of his children, and ultimately God will be vindicated when the perpetrators are brought to justice on the day of judgment. So while that does happen, God is not okay with the sin that is sometimes perpetrated or weaponized against those who are serving him. So just wanted to throw that caveat in there. Just want to make sure we're clear here that not all persecution is a good thing and sin is never okay. So we shouldn't invite sin to be done to us or in any way glory or revel in injustice done to people. Uh, Victims of sin will be vindicated when God pours out his, his judgment on evildoers. So this brings us to the king's reaction, Darius's reaction. Really, this is probably the most telling lesson in this entire chapter. We've looked at how Daniel responded how his actions were very careful, very thought through. He was very appropriate. He realized that he answered to God and he had just, he had the right focus. But now we're going to see how his actions had a profound effect on Darius. And I bet you this part of the, the narrative, this part of the history probably caught the other presidents totally off guard. So let's Go back and look at verses 18 through 20. Verse 18 really gives us a little preview into the king and his life the night before uh, he went and saw if Daniel had made it through the night in the lion's den. So the night before that that morning where he was going to discover what happened to Daniel, the king was troubled. And he was troubled because this decree that he had signed, he'd really been tricked into signing. And the effect that it had on Daniel, who was his most trusted confidant. Remember, Daniel was basically Darius's right-hand man. And 
as you read in verse 18, it tells us that that night must have been a very long night as the king basically awaited the expiration of his own decree. There was nothing he could do but wait. And he was even reminded that by his other presidents who said that there was, there was nothing he could do to go against the law of the Medes and the Persians. Once that had been signed into effect, it dictated what would happen and the king had no power to revert that law. So Darius is spending this night sleepless. He did not make himself comfortable. Um, it, it tells us that this so distraught King Darius that he declined any luxury of live music or any food to be brought to him. So this shows how seriously he regretted the outcome of this mandate. And it even gives a semblance of hope that the king had for Daniel's God to deliver him. So we see this at the end of, let's see, the end of verse 16. He said unto Daniel, his last words to Daniel recorded in scripture are, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. So this king is holding on to the hope that God will come through for Daniel. That's pretty astounding uh, for Darius to make that statement. But then we read in verse 18, the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting, so declining any food, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. So he is restless, and he's just hoping, holding on to the hope that God will deliver Daniel. Then we read in verse 19, Then the king arose very early in the morning, and went in haste to the den of lions. So the next day, the king rises up early and urgently, goes quickly to the den of lions. And we see when we read the next verse that his nerves were clearly shaken because he says in verse 20, it says, when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? There's so much in that Um, exclamation from the king. Notice, though, that he expresses belief and faith in God before he hears any response from Daniel. So he goes to to the den. He cries with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and he asks Daniel, he, he says, servant of the living God. So he acknowledges God's power And then he says, is thy God whom thou servest continually? And see, he couldn't have said that to Daniel if Daniel hadn't broken the decree and continued to pray the same way he had aforetime. So he he acknowledges that Daniel is consistent, that he's faithful in his walk with God. He's not a uh, hypocrite, but he, he genuinely walked with God faithfully. And he asks if your God was able to deliver you. And so I just want to point out here that the excuse that we often tell ourselves for why we should not maybe risk our job when obeying God is on the line is that we normally tell ourselves that if we are removed from our place of work, that we will end up losing any potential to be a witness for God there. That's normally kind of the reasoning that we we tell ourselves, we often reason that it would be better to stay in the situation so that we can continue to have an influence rather than leaving and losing any further testimony. 
At least that's sometimes the reasoning that I've heard and that I've even been tempted to tell myself. But often the opposite is true. In the case of Daniel, his decision to obey God rather than the decree that the king had uh, set up made a lasting impact on the king as opposed to maybe the limited and temporary impression that might have resulted if he had not continued to pray openly as he did aforetime. When we make the decision to choose God instead of those around us, whether that be our work or a team or a friend group or family even, but when we choose God at the exclusion of whatever else fills that blank, that often has a far greater impact than if we were to compromise and stay in that situation for maybe even years to come, but only having a limited testimony. So that's what happened in Daniel's case. And that's something that normally we can, if we think about the biblical examples, normally our line of thinking is proven to be wrong because being willing to give everything up and even leave whatever situation you're in often results in actually the greatest impact for those who are watching. And in the case of Daniel, Darius had far greater faith in God and willingness to believe in God because he saw Daniel's commitment, even if it required him to leave and to be cast into the den of lions and even give his life for that. And again, it just goes back to what we've said all throughout this chapter is that Daniel's focus was ultimately not on the people around him. Ultimately, he wasn't thinking about what would give him the greatest testimony or the, the farthest reaching influence. His focus was ultimately on what would please God and what would be doing right. So think about that as you go throughout your week and when you're put in situations where your faith might be tested. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.